Well, good morning, everyone. It's just such a great thing for me personally to be able to join with you in worship uh, and to pray with you and to chat with you. And we call this all kinds of things, preaching, teaching, chatting, <laughs> having conversation. I just got some thoughts that I want to share with you today, some things that God has been speaking to me about as I've been assigned a subject and uh, working that through. And I'm hopeful and prayerful that uh, as we talk together, some of the things that uh, I've been learning, you might learn as well. And it might be productive for all of us together, both as individuals and corporately together as a church. So to begin with, let's read some scripture. And um, if you've been around for the last couple of years, you'll recall that we did, we did come to this particular text uh, not that long ago, well, probably close to two years ago. Um, you might remember it. It's from Matthew chapter 6. But as we work through this subject on spiritual formation, I've been given the privilege of talking about the discipline of prayer. And so I feel like this particular text is... Uh, even though we looked at it not that long ago, I think it's particularly important as we think about prayer. And we're going to look at a lot of different passages in Scripture. Uh, but let's start here. And so, as is our custom, uh, if you choose to stand in honor of the Word of God, we can read this together. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, I'll read it for you. You can read it along with me, beginning with verse 1. This is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then the, your father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Who'd want to be like a hypocrite, by the way? <laughs> do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, in the churches, on the street corners to be seen by women and men. And I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. King James Version says, go into your closet. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then, this then is how you should pray. And I invite you to join with me if you know this one in whatever version is comfortable to you. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. Whew. We better pray. <laughs> Lord God, we know this text well. We looked at it not long ago. So many other passages throughout Scripture that talk about this thing we're doing right now, praying, and we just sense we need your help. So teach us something here today, Lord. Use me as your servant, as the sort of the mouthpiece for the things that we believe you're saying through your word by your spirit. Help us all to listen, to hear, and to learn, and, and be able to uh, see ourselves grow in our capacity to honor you through the prayers that we offer and live uh, in days and weeks and months and years to come. For your glory we pray, by your grace, and with full gratitude to you. Amen. Please be seated. I will too for a minute. And let's talk. I, I want to thank you, Pastor, uh, for giving me the privilege to talk about this particular subject because whether you believe this or not, I believe prayer is the central discipline among the spiritual disciplines. You could call it the crowning discipline. Uh, I mean, there are other contenders, you know, the, the study of scripture, uh, for example, uh, worship. But prayer, I think, is the key because, now, <laughs> I'm not trying to impress you, but I, I, I've, I've studied this stuff a long time. I've, I've had the privilege of teaching this stuff as a pastor and as a professor for decades. But more than that, I've been trying to live this stuff out in my own life and practice for a very long time. And what I've come to see, especially as I was doing some research, you know, I, the, when you look at all the different spiritual disciplines that we're looking at this summer, here's what I think. I think they're all just different ways of praying. That's why I say that prayer is maybe the central discipline or the crowning discipline. Whether we're talking about fasting, like uh, Pastor Dave led us so well to think about last week, fasting is just a form of prayer, really, when you think about it. Even study of scripture is about listening to God by his spirit, responding to what we read. That's kind of like that's praying, really, if we do it properly and well, as we've been taught. I think all of these disciplines, silence, solitude, uh, these, are, these are forms of ways by which we pray. And so I think all of the different spiritual disciplines that have nurtured and, and helped the church in Jesus Christ grow over centuries, over millennia, all of these practices, all of these disciplines are simply different ways of praying. So I'm feeling privileged. I'm also feeling some pressure this morning uh, to, to really do well with this because this is so important, okay? So, but maybe you could work with me and by thinking together, uh, we'll get somewhere because we all come from different places and different levels of experience with all of this. Some of us, like me, have been praying for a long time. Uh, some of us are relatively new to this subject. Some of us are maybe a little scared right now because we don't even really know what it means and we just know that it's that weird religious thing that people do in churches and things like that. 
And so if that's you, just relax. I'll try and help you think about what, and I don't think it's actually as scary. Well, in one way, maybe it is. <laughs> when you think about like coming into the presence of God, that's kind of scary, except for the fact that you know he loves you. So that's cool. <laughs> but um, this isn't as complicated, maybe, is the way to say it, as, as some might think. But I will tell you, there's a whole lot of praying going on in this world. Even in this this uh, relatively secular time, you know, like compared to maybe uh, a time a few decades ago when Christian practice was more common as a, as a way of being in the culture. You know, we don't see as much of that these days for good or for ill, but, um, but still, there's a lot of praying going on. You know, the batter steps up to the plate in the major league game and crosses himself and does what, you know. Um, I, I was at the Whitecaps game on Friday night. Sergio Cordova scored two gorgeous goals. <laughs> and after he scored, first thing he did, he walks to the side, puts his hands in the air, and he prays. Very cool. A lot of praying going on. I sometimes at a, um, like a, a, a business meeting or a, like, like even among relatively secular people, uh, at, at like a, some kind of corporate meeting or something like that, they might pray or have an invocation at the beginning at a Rotary Club meeting or something. I mean, I don't know if that still happens. It used to. I, I, I know this. About uh, three months ago, four months ago, I was invited to come to the annual general meeting of one of the largest credit unions in Canada. And I was asked to come. It wasn't my bank, but I was asked to come to give a prayer. Can you believe it? At, at the annual general meeting of a mega credit union, they brought me in to pray. Wow. There's a lot of praying going on. Muslim people, you don't even have to be Christian. Muslim people pray five times a day. Um, Catholics cross themselves like, um, in, in a historic Christian practice. All kinds of praying going on. I do wonder sometimes, though, how much of that praying is reaching its intended destination. You know, how much of that mail is going to the right mailbox? You know, how, how much of that is really achieving the purposes for which it was intended? You know what I'm saying? Because some of it, even in church, some of it gets a little cringy. Uh, and just, you know, Jesus felt that way, just to be clear. We read the text just a moment ago, right? You know, the people who stand on the street corners and say, oh, well, you know, who sound really eloquent. You can I can guarantee you, they're standing on the street corner praying. It's going to be beautiful. Like, it's going to be eloquent. It's the words, they're just going to, kind of like Pastor Wes's prayer a moment ago. Wasn't that smooth? Nice job, man. You've got those words down. Like, that was beautiful. <laughs> uh, you know, those kinds of prayers. Be careful, by the way, you know. <laughs> those kinds of prayers. Beautiful. And Jesus said, eh, I'm not so sure. You know, because why were these folks praying? They were praying to be noticed, right? Like they were praying to be seen. It gets a little cringy. What are the reasons? I, was, I tried to think this through. What are the reasons that people pray these days? Okay. You know what? Let's do this. This is not normal. Uh, we're going to go off script here for a moment. You tell me, why do you, literally, like, I know I'm the preacher, but you can talk back to me in this moment. <laughs> Let's do this. What do you think some of the reasons people pray are? Just anybody? Yeah. Pardon me? For themselves? Okay, I think that's right. Yeah. I, pardon? Oh, for strength. Like the physical strength? 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe sometimes when we're sick or struggling or whatever. Yeah? To get what they want. To get what they want. That's, that's like what we heard over here. Yeah. Other things? Yeah. Tricia. Because they're afraid? Man, you guys are a negative crowd. <laughs> I mean, you're right. <laughs> but, but yeah, Akko. To praise God? Okay, that's a positive one. Yeah. I'm echoing here. I better get back in my place. <laughs> I'm not allowed to come down there, right? I'm the preacher. <laughs> now, there's a lot of reasons people pray. Let me, let me echo some of what you just, just said. I think people pray sometimes. Because they want something. Because they need something. Um, something's not going right. Or it could be going better. Or we just need something, want something, care about something. And we think somehow that through prayer, we're going to be able to tap into a power source that will provide the thing that we need or think that we need, right? Is that a bad thing, by the way? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, James chapter 5 says if somebody's sick, pray. You know, call people together. Put your hands on them. Anoint them with oil even. Have you ever done that? I've actually done that and seen God do some pretty cool things. Like, like it's not because it's magical. More on that later. But, but get together. You got needs, you pray. And it says the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the old King James in me. I've been around a long time. <laughs> The, you, you, the, the deep, fervent, persistent prayer of a humble and righteous person is going to be effective and powerful, the Bible says. So it's okay. We could pray for stuff that we need. We just did. And we probably should. However, if, if, if that prayer becomes all about like us and what we need, and what we want. It becomes a little bit like, you know, um, as a parent, when a kid comes and all they want is your stuff. They want your money. They want your affection. They want your time. Whatever. Can, dad, dad, can I have five bucks, please? 20 bucks, please? You know? Jesus said, remember what Jesus said? What father is going to say no to his son when a, son, a child comes and asks for bread? What, you're going to give him a stone? That's what Jesus said. No, you're, you're going to give them. Like, like God will, will respond to that kind of prayer, but at some point, it becomes a little questionable, right? Like the first couple of times my kids ask me for something, yeah, okay. After a while, I'm like, uh, this is getting old. You know, what, you want more money? Why? <laughs> Maybe I'm just not a very good parent. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not wrong to ask things of God, but, but this is one of the reasons we pray, and it so often becomes about us. You know, what, what can we get out of this thing? Another reason people pray is to make an impression, right? To make an impression. On, uh, this is what Jesus was talking about. Sometimes we're trying to impress other people, especially people who are inclined to think well of spiritual-looking people, right? Now, I know... That probably doesn't fly anymore on the corner of, uh, of uh, Granville and Robson um, or on the beach here at Jericho. But, you know, there are times and places, including this time and this very place, <laughs> where praying beautifully might make an impression on people, right? 
we, we hope maybe it'll even make an impression on God. And, you know, Jesus seems to criticize that, doesn't he? You know, if we're praying to be seen by other people, guess what? Whatever reward they give you for that, they go, oh, pastor, beautiful prayer. That was a great prayer. You're really, really good at praying. He just got his reward. <laughs> and that's fine. You know, that's nice, wasn't it? Like, it was nice for me to say that to you. Uh, but there's a better reward than that. <laughs> you know? There's a reward in heaven for people who just... So what did Jesus... Okay, I'll get back to it. Third thing, I, I think people... Um, people want to pray sometimes in life. It's just because life gets crazy, right? And stress is a thing. And so prayer is like this calming, zen kind of like smooth kind of experience where we can just kind of like take deep breaths. You know, my watch tells me to do that. Sometimes there's this app on here that tells me to breathe and it's like trains you to breathe. Like I've been breathing my whole life. I think I'm good, but, <laughs> but on the other hand, I get it. You know, there's, there's times when there's just so much stress and to pray, just to get quiet, you know, to go to a place and just kind of calm and chill. Is that a bad thing? No? I mean, a lot of that comes from Eastern spirituality more than it comes from Christian spirituality. But, you know, in Scripture, people would, would quiet themselves to pray. Calm themselves. It's a good thing. You know, uh, the, the secret place, the, the still small voice. The, you know, God speaks that way to us sometimes when we get quiet enough to hear him. So none of these things are wrong. You know, this, even in this idea about trying to make an impression, like on God, for example. Well, I mean, it depends how you spin that, how you understand that. I want God to be pleased with me, right? I want to, the, the scriptural language, I want to bless God. Remember, it is thinking that that's kind of a weird expression. How do I bless God? I tend to want to have God bless me. But in the Psalms, it, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. That's a prayer of blessing on God. Isn't that cool? Like so often, God, bless me. No, this is reversed. It's, God, we bless you. And, I mean, is that trying to make an impression on him? Well, we, we want God to be pleased. But we don't want it to be all about us. That's where prayer gets cringy. Where this is all about us, our needs, our interests, our power even. Trying to make God do stuff for us by our... Okay. I'm going to be a little controversial for a minute. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in church that... And it's basically is good, but gets really weird sometimes, in my experience. Uh, I'm talking about like prayer lists, prayer circles, prayer chains. Um, not bad things, but they can get a little weird. You know, like the prayer chain, for example. This idea that we really need God to do something, and we have this thing in mind ahead of time that we need God to do. We really want this. That's not a bad thing. 
We really want, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get as many people as possible signed up and praying so that God will have to do what we're asking him to do. It's like God is the government and we're sending him a petition. We even use that language, petitionary prayer. Again, it's not wrong. But are, what are we doing by that? Are we trying to force God's hand? Are we trying to like overpower God so that like, wow, like a hundred people prayed about this very thing today. Boy, I better do something about that. Is that what we're trying to do to God? Sometimes I think it is. So we gotta be careful, right? We gotta watch our heart as we come to these things. But you know, at prayer circles, we get in small groups and this is a good thing. And we're praying together and we get this like expectation going. It's a little bit like the wave, you know, at a sporting event. Like you feel the prayer coming around to yours and you're not feeling it, right? Like I sometimes have that at a football game or something when the wave's coming and I'm not feeling it, right? But the expectation is we're all gonna get up and cheer. And, and, and like it's coming around and, and you know, oh, that was a beautiful prayer. And boy, that guy really seems spiritual and boy, she's good. And oh, it's coming to me, it's coming to me. What am I gonna do? Uh, we stumble something out because we have to. And it's like this, this kind of social expectation in those kinds of things rather than an authentic expression of the heart. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, it's not that it's wrong. It's just that it gets messed up a lot, you know, because we're so messed up in how we practice these things, right? Even prayer lists. I got one. I could, I could show you. Well, I won't, but it's on my phone. I get about 40 things on my prayer list, people, things in, in, at work, things in my family, in my own heart, my own life. And, you know, I, I'll pull it out and I'll, I'll work through this thing one at a time. And it's good because these are things that, that God cares about and, and, and people need and, and good, good, good. But sometimes I get into this thing where I feel like, oh my goodness, if I don't get to the bottom of the list, somehow it's messed up. Like, like, you know, it's almost like these are magic words. And, and if I, I just need to like say something, but, you know, Karen's got an issue. Uh, and <laughs> as if I don't, uh, I have issues. But, but, but sometimes she has one too, you know? And, and so I want to pray, pray for my wife. And, and, you know, it's like, I got to get the words out, like vocalized or into my head, you know, to God so that he will do his thing. And it's almost like incantational. Do you know what I mean? I, I was reading a novel the other day, and there was this character who was like this, this uh, Irish mobster in, uh, on the East Coast. <laughs> I shouldn't admit that. You're going to wonder what I'm reading. I'm like, what is this pastor reading? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a story about, about uh, stuff. And this guy, this guy was saying, we can't mess with the priests. Like, there's this... this big battle going on in the city, but we can't mess with the priests because we might need them if we're about to die because we need the priests to say the magic words when, I'm, when we're dying so that we go to heaven, right? You know, that's messed up, the spiritual, right? But, but that's how a lot of people think, you know, like prayer is magic. Prayer is saying the right words at the right time in the right way. And if we get the incantation right, you know, we say enough, our fathers, you know, or Hail Marys or whatever it is. I'm sorry, I don't want to pick on Catholics. We all do this, you know. Uh, if, if we get it right, then God will have to do his thing. And that's just not it, folks. That's just not the way it works. What did Jesus say? Go find a closet somewhere. 
You know, don't make a big show. Go get quiet somewhere. Go, go to that place. Here's the thing about the closet. It's not the closet exactly. Here's the thing about it. The closet is a place where you can't fool anybody, even yourself. Right? The closet's the place where it's just you and God and everything's out in the open. Everything's on the table. It, you know what it's about? It's about spiritual vulnerability. Spiritual vulnerability. Being in the presence of God, open and available for him to say anything he wants. And we're listening, and it can be a little scary, except for the fact that we know that he loves us. And he's going to be gracious to us in that place. And that's beautiful. What we typically do, even when we do find a closet, we go to that, that secret place, that quiet place, whatever. We feel like we've got to start being a motor mouth. You know? like, like we've got to say things to God. Like we, we, heaven forbid we have a, a moment of silence. Like, like we've got to talk. We, we get that in church, by the way, like, like when we have a, a prayer time or something and it gets quiet and, and you know, you're kind of expecting somebody to speak up and pray and nobody's doing it. Like I feel that sometimes as a leader in those things, you've kind of invited people to speak up words of prayer and they're not doing it. It's like, oh no, somebody say something, please, because I'm feeling uncomfortable here. <laughs> if you've ever felt that. Jesus said, it's okay, right? God all knows what's in your heart. He knows what you're going to say even before you say it. Right? Just, just go and be. Just be in his presence. And let him do his thing. Let him say what he wants to say. By the way, you start hearing from God, you'll know what to say back. <laughs> that won't be a problem. Like some of us are afraid of prayer because we don't know what to say. Hey, if you've heard from God, that won't be a problem. You'll, you'll have something to offer back. It might be, <laughs> it might be difficult. It might be like, Lord, really? It might be, oh, Lord, no. But you'll say something, and he will speak, and you'll connect, and he will do his thing in your heart and in your life, and it'll be good in the end but we got to get to that closet first. Let me give you, this is not written anywhere. Nobody published this. this is, I didn't, I'm not even putting it on the screen. I'm just like offering it to you. Uh, my, my little definition of prayer as I figured it out this weekend. Okay, so it may change in my mind, but just for now, just for today, for this morning, let me define what I think prayer is, okay? And if this is helpful to you, you could write it down. You could do whatever you want with it. But here's, here's a little working definition of prayer that's helpful to me like at this point in my life. Prayer is appreciative attendance to the person and presence of God. Appreciative attendance to the person and presence of God. So what we're saying is in prayer, we clear space to be present to God, to his person, 
his holiness, his truth, his power, his beauty. We are going to intentionally attend to him to be present ourselves to the God who has made himself ever-present. God is always present, om omnipresent, the theologians say. He's always present, but we're going to like pay attention to that. And it's going to be appreciative attendance. By that I mean worshipful attendance. We're going to show up, clear space, clear time, be present to the person and presence of God and have a relationship. Let me go back to the parenting thing. Sometimes I just want to hang with my kid. Don't need to say a whole lot, but it's just nice to be there. You know what I mean? And just have a relationship. And sure, stuff gets said. Influence is had. But we're just there, attending to each other appreciatively. And as a parent, whatever I offer, for good or for ill, becomes part of what plays out and happens in the life of my child. Same thing with God. We spend time in his presence. We hang with him. His nature, his being, his purpose, his power, all of that starts to shape us. We become conformed to that, the language of Romans 12. And great things happen. Here's one thing that happens. You know, all of this stuff that we want to ask God for, you just kind of go into the closet and hang out with God all of a sudden, you know, not just what to ask, but how to ask it. You know what I mean? Because so often, I'm asking for the wrong thing, or I'm asking for the right thing the wrong way, because I'm asking about it from my perspective. But I hang with him for a little while. I start to figure out how to ask, you know, and what to ask. Because my prayers start to conform to what he wants and what he's interested and he, Psalms say, uh, would then give us the desires of our heart. Because here's the cool thing. The desires of our heart become his desires. Like we start desiring the things that he desires because we're in relationship. And relationship only happens when you hang out. Right? That's why we're going to have lunch together on the beach. <laughs> right? Because you've got to hang out. And so we're going to hang out with God. That's prayer. Intentional, appreciative attendance to the person and presence of God. And that'll have an impact in your life and in the world. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Like, when Paul said to the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. You ever read that? Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Like, whoa, that's a lot. That's a lot, really? Like, what does that mean? Got to assume the position, 100, you know, like, praying hands, bended knee, like, 24-7? That ain't going to work for me because I got to go to work. You know, <laughs> like, I've got to sleep. I got to, I don't think that's the point. 
The point is that we live our lives with the knowledge that we are in his presence. And that we just have this banter going on with God all day long. I mean, I do. That's kind of how, that's my favorite pray, way to pray, by the way. Just as I'm experiencing life. Just, wow, Lord, thank you for that. That's cool. Whoa, man, I, that's not cool. Look at what that guy just did. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> you know? That's prayer. Like, all day long. That's what I'm aiming for. Being aware of God, appreciatively attendant to the person and presence of God all day long. Right? Wow. Uh, Chronicles, second, uh, second Chronicles 5.14, I believe. No, that's not right. I had this memorized and I've lost it, but you'll know it. If my people who are called by na my name, that's us, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. There's a really big conditional clause there. A really big if. If we humble ourselves. Right? We don't come... Lord, this, okay, I, yeah, good to check in with you, God. Here's the first thing I need. Here's the second thing I need. Here's the, God, like I don't, don't mess this up, God. Because if you mess this up, I'm going to have to get all my friends praying too, and you won't want that. I'm being silly, but you know what I mean. If we'll humble ourselves and just enter the closet and let him do his thing, then we'll hear from heaven. By, this, by the way, that closet thing where Jesus says uh, people who come in secret and they keep babbling like pagans thinking they'll be heard because of their many words. You know what that's like? That's like that, that yappy chihuahua. You know, or, 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 or that really needy kid who, who just feels like, and of course we are needy, but you know, this idea that, God, you know, I've got to talk to you. I can just, just keep talking because somehow maybe, maybe some of the words I say will get through to you. I've been a professor a good deal of my life. This happens a lot with students. I'll make some kind of an assignment, and they'll say to me, okay, how many words does it need to be? Do you want, like, 2,000 words, 10,000 words? How many words is this project? And I'm like, I don't care. Just do it well. You know what I mean? Like, in fact, if you can do it in fewer words, that would save me time. You know, get the job done and do it well. That's all I care about as a professor. Now, maybe your profs are different. Maybe they do it different at UBC. I don't know. <laughs> but for me, it's not about like impressing me by how many words you can write. It's like, do you get it? Have you mastered the content? Like, do you know what you're doing? That's what I'm looking for. That's what God's looking for. Not, not so much mastering content, but like, can we have this relationship? And when we get into that relationship and it's good, then there'll be plenty of time. And there'll be plenty of words, but maybe not right yet. Maybe for now, we just need to like be there for a bit. And then the world's, words will come later. Does that make sense to you? Jesus, Luke 5, 16. Even Jesus, who is like healing people and experiencing opposition and who had a pretty heavy date with a cross coming up that he knew about, right? What does it say? 
he often withdrew himself to a secret place to pray. Even Jesus. And you know, there's part of me thinks, Jesus, really? Like, you're going to take time to be alone? I thought, don't you know there's more people you could heal? Don't you know there's more people you could teach? Don't you know that you're wasting time here? No, no, it was cool because Jesus understood this relational thing with his father. Even Jesus in his humanity needed to spend time in the presence of his God. <laughs> the night before they killed him, when they came to take him, where'd they find him? In the garden, on his knees, sweating it out, like literally sweating out the prayer. And that gives me some comfort because this stuff can be hard. Like vulnerability is hard. Relationship is hard. Presence is hard. You know, some of, shout out to all the uh, introverts in the crowd here today. Some of us have done well just to be here today. Why? Because there are other people here. Right? And all honor to you for showing up, if that's who you are. Because I get it. It's hard. I feel that way a lot of times. I'm this weird mix of introversion and extroversion. I can be pretty extroverted when I'm like this. But like when I'm down there, I'm like, no, don't talk to me. <laughs> you know? So I get it. I get it. I see some smiles out there. It's hard to be present to people. You gotta trust people. And in this case, you gotta trust God. But what I'm telling you is you can. You can trust God. Because all he wants is your blessing. All he wants is to love you and to be gracious to you. He's gonna hold you accountable. He's gonna challenge you. But that's good for you. And he'll hold your hand and he'll help you with it, but it's hard. <laughs> Several years ago, I was talking about some of these themes with you here in, in a sermon, and I quoted this. I'm going to use it again. Maybe you remember if you've been around for a while. Martin Luther. Martin Luther, pretty serious dude, pretty spiritual guy, you might say. I mean, they named a whole denomination after him. Martin Luther writing a letter to his bestie, Philip Melanchthon, said this. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually read this to you because I, I still, you know, every time I read this, I'm like, really? Luther said this? He says, I sit here like a fool and hardened in leisure. I pray little. Do not sigh for the church of God. Already eight days have passed in which I have written nothing, in which I have not prayed, not studied. Whoa. This is the same guy who said, I'm so busy, you know, what, taking care of the whole reformation of the church and all. Like, I'm so busy that if I don't take two hours a day in prayer, I'm toast. I mean, words to that effect. Two hours a day, that was what he aimed for uh, because he was busy. But then here in this other, in this private letter to his best friend, he said, I haven't prayed in eight days. I'm like, okay, can I get a witness? <laughs> you know, It's hard 
So it's, it's hard. I, I, I struggle with this. One thing I like about being a preacher, and like that Pastor West lets me do this every now and then here, is that it reminds me all the hard stuff that, <laughs> like, I got to preach this to you, which means I got to take care of it, which means I've had to spend a lot of time these last days assessing my own prayer practice so that I'm not a hypocrite when I say this stuff to you. Actually, I am a hypocrite, just owning that, so I'm not hypocrite about, hypocritical about my hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, like I don't do this well enough, but I'm working on it. And I call you to join me in that. And we all call before, before the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, help us. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, make your presence known. To, make your grace known to us, Lord, so that as we pray that we're not terrified I mean, maybe a little, uh, we talk about fear, fear in prayer, because we're afraid, but some of that fear is okay, because we need to fear a holy God, but when we come with that kind of fear, he gives us that grace so that we can stand, stand in his presence and know that we're loved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Let me give you some hints here. This is a very practical series, right? Like we're, we're actually trying to help each other with some very practical things. So let me give you, I don't always like to do this, but I'm going to give you like five things here, okay? If you want to write them down, feel free. I, I didn't put them on the screen because I don't care that much that you get these five things all sorted out. Uh, but, but, but I'll give them to you and, and you do with them. As you, so the first thing is just kind of like, you don't have to pray well to understand better what prayer is. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? Like, take some time, like we're doing right now, to get your head straight about what it is we're trying to do, right? So this kind of thing where prayer is a particular position, posture, a particular... By the way, posture's great. I'm going to say more about that in a minute. Like, like, Bible talks about all kinds of prayer postures, not just like folded hands. We do that to children so they won't get distracted, right? And then we kind of put it on pins and like PowerPoints and things. It's not a position, though position can be cool. Like kneeling can really help sometimes. Falling on your face can really help sometimes when that's all you've got to do before a holy God. But it's not about that. It's not about the posture. Like, like just get your head straight about what it is. It's not magic words. It's not incantations. It's just, it's just intentionally, appreciatively attending to the person and presence of God so that he can speak, so that we can be in relationship so he can form us and do his thing. So get your head straight about that. Even if you don't do anything with it, it's a good place to start. Just like understand it better. Secondly, go find yourself a closet somewhere. <laughs> now, I don't necessarily mean a real closet, although that's cool. Uh, it's a metaphorical closet in this case. Uh, but, you know, I'll tell you, one time in college, I was really kind of convicted about it. So I went out and found, like, college dorm was crazy town. You know, and, and so I found an old part of campus that was sort of abandoned. I don't think I was really supposed to be there, but it was this old mansion on a third or fourth floor, which, which was probably condemned, but that meant there was nobody there. So I went up there and literally found a closet. It had one light bulb in it, <laughs> and I would go there like a walking closet, and I would go there sometimes to pray just kind of like to be apart. But it doesn't have to be a literal closet. One of my favorite ways to do this is to go for long walks. I don't know what it is about a walk, but I pray really well when I walk. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just me. Maybe you're like me. 
I don't know, there's distractions for sure, but walking somehow, all the, all the people and things, and it becomes white noise to me. And I'm able to focus somehow in a beautiful way. That's why we talk about prayer walks, you know, in the morning. Go, go for a walk. And, and by the way, distractions, if you find yourself distracted, just give the distraction to God. Like, oh, look at that. Look at what just happened. Lord, bless that person. Lord, could you reach that person somehow? Show them your love somehow? So like a distraction, you can pray about that. That Canucks game last night, oh man. Well, Lord, thank you for the privilege of experiencing the joy of NHL hockey. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, like a distraction comes, make that the prayer. And then let God bring you back on track. But anyway, the, the, the big thought here is find a closet somewhere. Third, give it time. Give it time. You're going to ask, how much time? It's like the question my students ask, how many words? I don't know how much time. Like, enough time. How's that? Enough time. Like, to get past the awkwardness. Enough time to get comfortable. Does that make sense? Whatever that is. Like, there used to be this thing, there probably still is, but when I was younger, we used to try to teach how to spend an hour in prayer. Right? Because somehow an hour was this like holy thing. I, I, I over the years we started lowering that. It became like I saw one recent, a, a little booklet, um, seven minutes to like prayer with God or something like that. I thought, wow, that's really kind of diminished from the hour. But uh, it's not about the amount of time. It's just enough time. You may have two minutes. That can be enough. You might have two hours. That'd be awesome. Enough time to get past the awkwardness and just be at peace in the presence of God by his grace so that we can hear what he has to say. And that's the fourth thing, is listen. When you get there, when enough time has passed, don't worry about what you're saying. That'll come naturally. You may need to confess something. You will certainly want to, you know, praise him for something or thank him for something, but just listen and let him speak. Let him do his thing with you. Let him speak, and you'll listen and respond appreciatively, humbly, and good things will happen that honor him and are probably good for you and everybody around you as well. And finally, just try to make a practice of this. Uh, we use, we've been using the word spiritual discipline which sounds terrifying. Disciplining children. It's a tough word. Um, I, like, I mean, it's a good word, but I like the word practice. Make it your practice. Like, do this regularly. Like, a lot. It's not just one big blow-up thing. Like, I prayed today. I'm good now for how long? I don't know, two years. <laughs> no, just do this thing regularly so that it shapes you so that it becomes part of who you are, so it becomes normal for you, so that God does his thing in us. There's, it's scary. Like, like I, I used to, in teaching, um, I can't really do this here, but I used to like send people out after talking about this and say, go spend you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever. Just go spend, leave your phone behind. And people go, what? Like, especially young people, like, well, I, I don't go anywhere if I want my phone. Like, my phone is, like, sewn onto my hand. It's, it's like, 
I, you, you ask people to go out without their phone? Like, how do you even exist? Like, I'll just evaporate if I don't have my phone, like right here. No, just leave it behind. And let God speak to you. It's terrifying sometimes. It's really hard when you're not used to it. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. You could, there's, there's things, you know, like tools that you can use. And, and we're going to celebrate communion in the middle. Whoever's helping can come on up right now and while I keep talking here for a moment. Um, there's acronyms you can use, like uh, the famous one, ACTS, ACTS, Adoration. Start with that, like praise God. Confession. Like confess your sin, your fear, your pride. Uh, thanksgiving. Thank him for the good thing he's done. And supplication. That's a fancy word for asking for stuff. But somehow you'll ask better after you've already praised him and thanked him and confessed before him and all that. That's, that's a good one, ACTS. Here's one I've been using. And come on up, because we're going we're gonna to do something here. I'm, this is like, I already made you participate once. I'm going to make you participate again. Or I'm, not make you. I'm going to invite you to participate <laughs> again here. But this is something, again, I just made this up, but it really has helped me. I haven't even told my wife about this. So, Kara, this is something I do when I'm out with you. <laughs> um, and I love this. I did it this morning again. I just offer it to you because maybe it's helpful. We were talking about postures. Um, I think we're physical people. We're not just mental people. We're physical people. And this isn't hocus pocus. This is just something I do because it physically reminds me of some things. So I, so I stand up. And, and I open my arms out like this. In order to, embrace, to uh, receive whatever is about to happen in the presence of God. Just, just kind of big breath, open arms. Some, Lord, I'm coming to you. Let's, let's see what happens. You know, as we spend some time together, I'm open in this moment to whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say. And then I take my hands and I go like this. And I turn them face down as a way of symbolizing the emptying of myself, of all the crap. You know, the fear, <laughs> the pride, big one, big one for me. I'm just going to let go of my pride right now. Guilt, a lot of reasons to feel guilty. A lot of good reasons to feel guilty. I'm not doing that now. I just let go of that. Pain. Just let go. And then I turn my hands over. And I receive from God the good things that He wants to do for me His grace, His love. Lord, thank you for loving me. Just for loving me. Thank you for being gracious to me. Thank you for being present to me, for teaching me. And I put my hands in the air and I praise him. It's like Sunday morning. Lord, I praise you for your beauty, your power. You're, you're awesome, God. You just thank you. Thank you, thank you. 
And then I bring my arms out like this, and I embrace the world. Embrace the day, the opportunities, the people, the challenges, the good stuff. And sometimes that takes a while <laughs> to do all that. And sometimes it's pretty quick. And it's not magic. It's just something I do sometimes to tune my heart in his presence. So I offer that to you if it's any help. And as we come before the, the communion table right now, and we're going to do, now remember I talked about make this your practice? We have made this our practice in obedience to Jesus every Sunday. It's a practice. It's a discipline. And it's uh, following what he taught us the, the night he was betrayed, where he took bread and said, this, is, this, this piece of bread, it, it represents my body that was literally broken for you. Like I've speared and hacked and like nails through it. And this, is, this represents that because I did it for you. And this cup, this, this, you know, whether, you, whether we take <laughs> this kind, gluten, whatever, or, or like, that, that, I don't know. These days, I mean, I know we have our COVID thing, or all of that, you know, and it's real, and, and we got to be serious about that. There is something, like, kind of vulnerable about dipping the bread in the cup, like, with everybody else and saying, we're a community here. And, like, that's, that's, a, that's a thing, right? That's, that's a choice, as they say. And, and we make that choice in obedience to God. So we're going to do that as practice. But as we do it, if you're willing, this is an invitation for those of us who are responding to God because we know he's loved us and um, we're trying to live faithfully to him. If, you're, if, if that's not true of you, you don't have to do this. Probably should if it's not true of you because we're trying not to be hypocrites here. But if, but if it's true of you, then, then I invite you to join us. But as we get into start, I'm going to invite you to do what I just modeled for you and ask you to stand if you're willing right now. And to put your arms out like this and say, Lord, again, it's not the words, Lord. It's not me trying to be eloquent right now. I'm just, as a, as a leader in this place with my friends, my, my family here, we've gathered together, Lord, and we just... We just want to be open to you. We just want to be open to your spirit and let you do your thing here among us. We're a small community in a big city, Lord, and it's hard. But we believe that you're here. We believe that you're with us. We believe that you're doing something that matters and you want to do it through us, and we're open to that. Now, Lord, we confess we confess, just turn your hands over and, and we let go. We just let go, drop it, drop it. Like all, all the stuff we're afraid of, let it go. In God's presence, trust him with it. Let it go of it, your fear, our fear, our grief. Lord, we let go of it. Maybe not permanently, but at least in this moment, we're gonna try to let go of it. Our pain, Lord, our suffering, our, our fears, our pride, Lord, we let go of that. Oh, Lord, we want so bad. I don't even know if I can, but I'm, I'm trying, Lord, to let go of my horrible pride. Let it go. I receive now, Lord, your grace. So I open my hands. 
to what you want to give me right now, to what you want to give us together as a community, your love, Lord, your deep, eternal, abiding love. Lord, we need it so badly. We're so grateful that you've been gracious to us, that you forgive us. Lord, we receive the hard words, the hard things you're saying to us and will say to us. We receive them, Lord, knowing that you'll be gracious to us. You'll hold our hand. Lord, we, we receive it. And we praise you, Lord. We praise you as we put our hands in the air as a symbol of our, of our honoring to you. We make ourselves vulnerable in your presence. We lift our hands, as the scripture says. We lift our hands in your presence and we praise you. We stretch high. We stretch high as we lift our hands in praise. It feels weird to us sometimes, Lord, because it's vulnerable and it's not normal for some of us, but we do it because we want you to know that we recognize your glory, your beauty, the wonder that you are and that you offer us. And we thank you. Oh, we thank you, Lord. And, we, and then, so now, in that spirit, with that knowledge, Lord, we embrace we embrace the world, knowing that we've been forgiven by the work you did on the cross that we're going to celebrate here in this moment with this bread and this wine. We receive each other. We embrace the opportunities of this day, of this week, the challenges waiting for us at work tomorrow morning, the opportunities of vacation and rest, all of it, the good, the bad, the hard, the ugly, the dirt, the meanness, the joy, the beauty. We embrace it all, the people, Lord, as hard as that is for some of us, we embrace them, each one, with your love and your grace and we'll give you the honor and the glory forever. Amen.